You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right, it's great uh, to be together this afternoon. Uh, my name is Ruben Deanda. My wife Marina and I lead the GLB ministry, the GLB Church, part of the coastal LA region. And you're like, what's GLB? GLB stands for Greater Long Beach. We're in the city of Long Beach there. And uh, we are very excited to be here. Um, today, what we want to do is celebrate Jesus. Jesus is the reason why we are here, why we are gathered together. He provides all the hope, all the power. Uh, his sacrifice has led to broken things being beautiful. And we are here to celebrate that today. This is not what, what uh, we are, we are not here based on our own will or power or this or, or anything like that. It's Jesus. And um, the story that you're going to hear today is going to lift up Jesus. And it's going to be a way for us to glorify Jesus. And then we're going to take communion together and uh, we're going to remember Jesus and, and the power of Jesus in our lives as individuals and as couples. Amen. I want to read a scripture and then I'll introduce this. Uh, our very special friends here are going to be sharing here today. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we don't have a slide, so you got to break out a Bible. Come follow me into the scriptures of the Bible app right here on your phone or whatever papal Bible you have here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth, and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. Can we get a resounding amen on that one, please? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Amen? And he was committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love this passage where Paul is celebrating the newness that there is in Christ. That in Christ the old has gone and the new is here. And communion, as we celebrate communion today, this is a time for us to remember that. The old is gone, the new is here. Even in our marriages, there can be points in our marriages where we feel like we're in a rut, we're stuck, we don't know what the next day will hold. I love what, uh, what Tracy said yesterday, I'm just going to be faithful for one more hour. But in Christ, we celebrate and we acknowledge the fact that in Him, though, there is hope, there is new creation. Old is gone, and new is here, and reconciliation, reconciling the world to God. He says, we implore you, because we are Christ's ambassadors, we implore you, be reconciled to God. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God today, but what an incredible reminder and opportunity for us to make decisions, if we need to, to be reconciled with God, which will lead eventually 
to reconciliation and growth and health with your most important earthly relationship, and that is with your spouse. My dear friends here, Hector and Valerie Olivares, are going to share their story. And uh, in the Long Beach ministry, you've probably you've heard their story already. So, uh, but Long Beach ministry, let's just celebrate Jesus here with Hector and Val. Everybody else probably has not uh, heard, has most likely not heard their story, but uh, they're going to share a little bit. But they were both uh, converted in the teen ministry back in the day, um, and they dated in the campus ministry. They got married young, and God has taken them on a journey that really shows the power. <clears throat> the power of God. Um, I was just telling them right now, uh, as we were singing that song, I said, can you believe that you're here sharing at a marriage retreat? The reason I say that is because every year, they were, they were, they're going to share about their, some, some of what happened, but they had wandered away for a while. And every year, though, for a few years, they, they would come to the marriage retreat. And we would... Marina and I and their other friends, Ishmael and Cameron, and several other couples, we would be praying, God, I pray this is the marriage retreat that will get them. And then we'd go back home, and it would be a whole year. And they'd come back again to another marriage retreat, and another one, and another one. Do you see what I'm saying? And I just love the body of Christ, which we will be able to honor and celebrate as we take communion. But I love the body of Christ. The love of the relationships, the love of God's people, not giving up on people. And that's what God uses that. You never know what will happen. Don't give up on people. And fast forward a few years later, they're here sharing their story at a marriage retreat. Isn't that incredible to think about? I love that. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Hector and Val. I just want to say to you personally... How much we love you guys. And we are so incredibly grateful that God has worked in your life. And you are an example of God's power reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. So let's give our hearts to Hector and Val as they share their story here. If you can, turn to your spouse and tell them that you love them. Tell them that you are glad that both of you are here. Now I want you to tell them that you had a good time last night. But when you do it, I want you to raise your eyebrows up and down like this. Or you can just wink. You know what I'm talking about, right? Trying to be Rico Suave again. Now I want you to imagine if your spouse confessed that they cheated on you. How would you feel? How would you respond? Unfortunately, for a few of us, we've already experienced that. And hopefully, 
after we share our story, you'll walk away feeling a little more encouraged, more hopeful. My question is, would you forgive them? Some of us will probably say no. You know, marriage is like flies on a screen door. Those on the outside want to get in. But some of those already inside want to get out. Now, surely none of us in this room can relate to that. Surely we've never thought about it. We've never felt it. Not in this room. You know, in the summer of 2013, I wanted out. I wanted to get out of this marriage. You know, after being married nearly 10 years, I had made a decision. I'm done. I'm out. I drove down to the Long Beach courthouse and filed for divorce. Bear with me, guys, because I'm going to read some of this. I couldn't believe that after almost 10 years of, and I'm a little emotional, so please bear with me. I couldn't believe that after almost 10 years of being married and 15 years of being together, it was all going to be over. But before I get into that, let, I want to share a little bit about myself. When I was 10 years old, I was sexually abused by my cousin, who was 22. To put that a little more into perspective, I was in the fourth grade when he robbed me of my innocence. At the age of 12, I started acting out what he had taught me with other boys because over-sexualization and over-sexual behavior is one of the many consequences of child sexual abuse. Not only was I over-sexualized after the abuse, I also became anxious, angry, and hateful. I remember yelling at my mom, <laughs> telling her that I hated her and I wish she would die. Which all makes sense to me now. The anxiety came from being a 10-year-old trying to keep this huge secret, the hatred from not feeling protected, and the hateful comments just spilled out of me for the anger that I felt inside. This went on from the age of 12 to 15. My older sister became a disciple when I was 14, and that summer I started studying the Bible with Yvonne who happens to be Hector's sister. God is funny, he's always working. On September 21st, 1997, at the age of 15, I got baptized. Learning to have a relationship with God and truly feeling, falling in love with him completely changed the trajectory of my life. Beatific means to be blissfully happy. Being close to God made me blissfully happy and I felt like I couldn't be shaken. My first year as a disciple, my mom tried to commit suicide. I'll never forget going to the hospital and seeing her spitting up the black tar from getting her stomach pumped because she had overdosed. Despite going through these traumatic experiences, I still wasn't shaken because God was my anchor. These things that happened to me in my childhood were ugly things that were intended to be graves, but because of God, he made my life beautiful again. He turned those things from graves into gardens. On April 25th, 1998, Hector and I went on our first date. We were both 15. We dated from the age of 15 up until we got married. Um, on March 13th, 2009, we were both 21. By the grace of God, we were able to have a pure dating relationship. 
Believe it or not, I lost my virginity on our wedding night. Life was blissfully happy for us. We were, going, we were young in college, finally married to each other. What more could we ask for? In 2007, after being married for three years, we started trying for a baby. However, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. After some fertility treatment and two years of trying, God blessed us with the birth of our son, Joshua, on May 17, 2009. Eleven days after that, we actually graduated from Cal State Long Beach with our bachelors. And one month, and I can't forget to mention this because Hector won't let me forget, one month after our son was born, the Lakers won their 15th championship. <laughs> Life was full and complete, just blissfully happy. In the winter of 2011, Josh was two going on three. I was 29. We had been married for almost eight years. Life had become a routine and monotonous would be a great way to describe, describe it best. I began to evolve as an individual. I started doing new things, meeting new friends, going to new places. Bars was a new thing for me. I never really had gone to them. We really never had gone to them. I would go with my new girlfriends, and we would just go and have a good time just amongst ourselves. Drinking was new for me, so sometimes I would overdo it. My, yesterday, Tracy talked about our vertical connection with God and our covenant. During that time, my vertical covenant with God was no longer a priority. Although I was growing as an individual, I wasn't growing with God. I was actually growing distant from God. I stopped reading the word. I stopped talking to God. And I started disconnecting myself from church. I remember I wanted to include Hector in, in the new things I was doing. He never joined me, so I remember just sharing with him these new experiences Hector didn't know how to handle the new changes in me. One morning after I remember going out one night, I remember started to tell him about the night, and he stopped me and he said, I don't want to know what you're doing, Val. You're mocking God. I remember feeling judged, and that's the moment I realized I can no longer share this new me with him. I was losing my best friend. During this time, I started building a friendship with the guy from work. I remember I would look forward to seeing him. I would be excited and couldn't wait to share the weekend with him. And of course, he was always so interested and eager to listen because he started becoming my new best friend. You know, we have to be beware of people like that in our lives. If any of you guys are feeling like you're more excited to share with somebody else that isn't your spouse, that should be like a red flag. This is when the emotional affair began. In January of 2012, the emotional affair turned into a physical one. The following month, I confessed to Hector what I had done. Not only had I strayed from God, but I strayed in my marriage. I broke my vow of fidelity. Having to tell Hector this was the worst feeling ever. Not only did I break his trust, but I shattered his heart. His life was turned upside down. He told me to end it, but unfortunately, I was in too deep already. I was confused. I thought I was in love with this person. He had swept me off my feet. When we, con when we connect with someone emotionally and then connect with them physically or sexually, it really is difficult to stop. If any of you are listening and are struggling with an emotional affair or, you're, or it's almost getting there, 
get open now because trust me, once it gets physical, you will be trapped and caught in a web that feels impossible to get out of. I was confused, lost, blind. I had no self-control. I was so far from God, nothing about me reflected Jesus. In 2013, Hector served me with divorce papers. During this time, I was at an all-time low. I didn't mention this earlier, but the man that I was involved in this relationship with, he was always involved in a relationship with his girlfriend. So I was just his side chick. I felt so much shame and guilt, yet I couldn't stop myself. Drunkenness became a norm for me to drown out all the ugliness I felt. The drinking led to blacking out, which led to more sexual immorality. I remember waking up some mornings wondering if I had willingly ha had sex with the person laying next to me. I could no longer recognize, my, recognize myself. I was in complete destruction mode. It was, all, it, it was at all these times, all time loans, that I would connect with my best friend from campus, who's actually here today with her husband. She was and is a faithful friend. I love you, Cameron and Ish. During this time is when I actually met Marina as well. Her and Cam would come to my apartment and read scriptures with me, pray with me, and cry with me. They, this went on for about six years, from 2013 to 2019. Hector and I would go back and forth regarding the divorce. We tried doing marriage therapy, but nothing worked. Hector and I broke up and got back together three times within those six years. Even when we don't think God is working, he's definitely working. God had a plan for us. Sorry. Now imagine after he or she confessed that to you, that they just cheated on you, they tell you to go out, find someone else. Just go out, date someone. I want you to be happy. When she shared those words with me, because that's what happened, she told me, just go out and meet someone. It crushed me. I have a prayer spot in PV, in Rancho Palo Verdes, that I go to. I've been going since 15. And that's the one place. God, I think that was the day I started cursing at God. I um, wrote in my prayer journal that I brought with me, and um, you know, Val, Val stopped going to church. You know, obviously we stopped sleeping with each other. Um, you know, we had an extra bed in one of the rooms and that and I was sleeping there and um, it was very difficult for me but Val stopped going to church I kept going with with Joshua um, you know and it sucked going to church without Valerie I mean think about it we 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 liked each other we've been together since we were 15 we were always together in the team ministry in Long Beach and then the campus ministry married now I'm sitting by myself everything reminds me of Val so it was hard for me to concentrate and focus during services. The prayer journal that I wrote this week, I, 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 it was, I, I'd been collecting or, or writing prayers to God since March of 2005, all my ups and downs. And the last prayer journal entry that I wrote 
Well, I remember this day too. I just I walked away after 15 years of being with God, walking with God in His church. I, I walked away. I disconnected myself. I was heartbroken. I can't tell you how many times I cried. I was paralyzed. I felt like, you know, it was, I experienced a loss. It was very traumatic for me. I deactivated all my social, uh, my social uh, media accounts. I didn't want to be bothered. I just wanted to be by myself. I moved out on my own. I went to a cave and I didn't want to come out. You know, even being in Long Beach, you know, being raised in Long Beach, all the restaurants and places that we've gone since teenagers reminded me of Val. The songs that I listened to reminded me of Valerie. And I couldn't even dedicate any of these love songs to any of the girls that I started dating in the future because it reminded me of Val. And I didn't like that. I began going out with coworkers. I began to party. I was going out to a lot of bars and clubs. Never done it before. But for the first time in my life, I felt helpless. I felt weak. Do you know how many times I told God, this hurts. And I curse at God. And for the first time, I was angry at God. During my most difficult times as a teenager, I knew God was trying to teach me a lesson. I didn't know what he was teaching me at the moment, but I had to wait. I had to persevere through it. But this is the first time where I questioned God, why? I secretly miss God. I miss being devoted to him and his church. However, each time I felt that, I would shake it off. I then realized since I no longer was in the church, no longer was a true Christian, I could live an ungodly life. I got involved in a relationship with another woman, thinking maybe she's the one. I'm going to marry this person. You know what? Maybe the reason why I didn't work out with Val is because this, was, this is the one. This is one I'm supposed to marry. Sexual immorality and impurity mastered me. I remember one night laying in bed with this woman. She knew I had so much in my mind. And we were laying on our backs. She turned to me and asked me if I missed God and if I missed going to church. She knew I had so much in my mind. And I remember I leaned over her to the other side, back, I was facing her. And I just kind of shook my shoulders. I shrugged. And I was like, no, nah, not really. And as soon as I said that, deep down, I just started crying. And we didn't say anything after that. But I knew that I couldn't enjoy this relationship because after practicing God's presence for 15 years, my conscience would bother me. I could not enjoy any relationship. I couldn't hide from God. You know, a year later, we, uh, I moved on from this woman. We broke up. I started messing around with other women. I was doing things that I'd never done before. During this phase, I felt like none of this gave me life or joy. Sure, it met my physical needs, but it was just temporary. And I knew where my soul was headed. Time went by. Val and I put a hold on our divorce. A year later, we moved back in with each other. We attempted to work things out, but didn't feel any love or connection. It felt like we were different people. 
We sought two marital therapists or counselors, but we were unsuccessful. In fact, both of them even said, you're better off as just friends. And when we were told that, both times she cried. And I was kind of like, okay, cool, moving on. We knew it was over. We went on and participated in other marriage retreats within the church, as mentioned already. But we didn't allow God or people in the church back in our lives. Val had invited me to other marriage retreats, but I was like, why, why do you keep asking me? Like, it, it's over. Stop wasting your time. There were a lot of frustrating moments that we felt like quitting. We realized that we weren't going to rekindle or, or restore this marriage, so we just became roommates. And I remember discussing with Val that if one of us meets that person, there would be no, no grudges, no hard feelings, and we both agreed to that. There was an agreement between us that if we met someone, we wouldn't start drama, right? So I stayed home with Josh, and, you know, we'd, sometimes we'd go back and forth. She'd go out. I didn't want to ask. didn't want to know. She wouldn't do the same thing. I would just stay home with our son Joshua. I once again got an, involved in another relationship. This time I thought, she's the one. This is it. It didn't work out with the two previous relationships, and, and, and deep down, I wanted to remarry. I wanted to have more children. I've always saw myself as, you know, a husband, a family man, and that's what I desired, especially because this one that I met, she was going to church, so I thought, this is the one, definitely. But once again, I couldn't enjoy it because I felt that this was not God's plan. It was my plan. God's spirit constantly reminded me that God had different plans. I wanted to fast forward this chapter. Some of you in this room are feeling right now, whatever you're going through in this difficult moment, I just want to fast forward this part. I just want to skip this chapter. I wanted to know how this chapter would end. Am I going to stay with Valerie or not? I remember Val and I would also discuss that once we divorce and we remarry, we would perhaps reunite with our new spouse and other family members, the new children. We would come together on special occasions. These are the conversations we started having. And we believed that that could happen because, you know, we were able to co-parent with each other. But then every time we would bring this up or talk about divorce, we would argue and cuss each other out. We separated again. Personally, this sucks because since 98, I, since 1998, when I got baptized at Seal Beach, March 22nd, from that day on, I, I, I gave my whole heart to God as a teenager. I always wanted to represent God. I wanted to stand out at Lakewood High School. I started my own Bible talk. I remember this as a young teenager for three and a half years. I led this Bible talk. But I felt like I was making God proud. I felt like I was trying to help so many of my friends become Christians. And then when I went out to the campus ministry, same thing. And I always wanted to be an evangelist. And I felt like the church, you know, began investing, began training. And so I started seeing, man, God's plans. This is happening. I, one day I'm going to be an evangelist. But after this confession, that feeling, that passion, the vision disappeared. I felt like, you know, like all this, just having a vibrant, healthy church, uh, marriage in the church diminished. I had to start all over. I, you know, I would attempt to pray and read the Bible on my own, but I felt I couldn't connect with God because of my sins. I was hurt. I, I felt like this wasn't supposed to happen to me. 
because God told me that he had plans for me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. I didn't feel that. We agreed on splitting child custody 50-50. Things were getting intense. Guys, I've been in the dark and I've been in the light. And man, were those dark days ugly, sad, and empty. When I wasn't walking with God or by his spirit, all I did was gratify the desires of my sinful nature. Galatians 5.19 describes those best, and I was involved in many of them. But even in the midst of those darkest nights for me, God never changed. <laughs> he never stopped loving me. He never turned his back on me. He was still the same God that sent out an army to find me in the middle of the darkest night to rescue me. He never stopped marching to reach me, even in the middle of the hardest fight. He rescued me time and time again. I wanted to read a scripture in Romans. Let me go there. I can't close my Bible. Thank you, guys. Wait, I can't find the Bible. Oh, there it is. Um, it's Romans 7. Romans 7, 19 through 25. Okay, I'll read it quickly. <laughs> okay, 19 through 25. Okay, here we go. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched woman I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We all also know the scripture in Hebrews 11 that says, Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what we do not see. During those six years of going, of going back and forth with Hector, we both knew deep in our hearts that if we put God back at the center of our marriage and if we ourselves recommitted to our vertical covenant with God, and made him our priority, God would be able to restore and rescue us. In January of 2018, we were definitely getting along better, and we realized that Josh, our son, was our priority. So we started seeing a child therapist who was helping us with our co-parenting. In doing this, we realized that we still actually liked being around each other still. So before we finalized the divorce, we said, let's give it one last shot. We hadn't we hadn't gone to a, this one certain marriage retreat, but I remember both Cameron and Marina, they called me after the retreat and they were like, hey, you guys should have been at this retreat. Um, the couple that shared, they had a very similar story to you guys. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but their last names are the Mekinsons. Yeah. 
So then I told Marina, I was like, can you connect me with them? And she was like, yeah. So she got their number and I ended up texting them and um, we, they, it was interesting actually how God works guys, because they lived in Palm Springs, but when I texted them, they were in the middle of moving back to LA where we're from. So then they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll get t together and have dinner. And we ended up meeting. I told Hector, I was like, are you willing to meet with this couple? And I kind of shared what Marina and Ruben, I mean, what Marina and Cameron had shared with me. And he's like, sure, I'll, I'll do it. So we set up dinner with them and we went to their, to their home and had dinner. When they shared their story with us, they shared their story with us and encouraged us to take it day by day. They said, you guys will have to take baby steps. And they were right. Take it one day at a time and don't have any high expectations of each other. They also made it very clear that we had to prioritize our relationship with God first and foremost. So we did that. We each started to put God first. I started praying again and reading my word and I would listen to worship music because that always helps me connect with God. I started doing restoration studies with Cameron and Marina in the summer of 2019 and in the summer of 20 and in the summer of 2019. Not only did God restore us to him, but he restored us to each other. Yeah. I'm so grateful to God for giving you back to me Hector Olivares. <laughs> Thank you for forgiving me and loving me and taking me back despite my failures and weaknesses. Thank you for being a living example of mercy and grace. Thank you for giving me a second chance. It takes, it takes a true man of God to forgive an infidelity. Not many people would do it. But babe, I know that with God anything is possible. Look at us. We are defying the odds. We both know that God is the only one that did this. Guys, we are a testament of how God takes broken people and brings them together in a beautiful way. This past March 13th of this year, not only did we celebrate 18 years of marriage, but we also launched our social media presence and started our YouTube channel entitled Graves into Gardens 562. <laughs> 562. <laughs> We were able to do this because we know for a fact that God gets all the glory in this story. He is the God who turns graves into gardens. He turns mourning to dancing. He turns shame into glory. Bones into armies. He really is the only one who can do it. Guys, we know that God isn't done with us. Not only has he restored us to him and us to each other, but he's restored our family. This morning, actually, at 7 in the morning, we get a text from our 13-year-old son, and it says, Hey, guys, just wanted to wish you guys good luck with the speech. <laughs> I already know it's going to go just how you wanted it. You guys are the best duo. <laughs> and then he attached a picture of Scooby and Shaggy. <laughs> God continues to do beautiful things with us. The latest beautiful thing that he's done is allowed us to become parents again. We are expecting our second baby. <laughs> God is good, you guys. Please keep us in your prayers. Thank you for listening and allowing us to share.
Thank you, Marina and Ruben, for believing in us and never giving up on us. We love you guys. Okay, so it's been a while since we've been up here, um, and I forgot there is a time limit. Um, uh, and um, please, yeah, be, be gracious. Um, and it's not a suggestion. I mean, I, th I think it's you know something we've got to really respect. And so I just want to <laughs> trying to be good here. You know, I want to give more of my heart. I wish we had more time. Um, but I'm gonna is he, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna read this chapter. I'm not a chapter. Don't don't worry. It's not a chapter. <laughs> It's not a chapter. It's not, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. I know, guys. Just, it's been a while. It's been a while. Ezekiel 37. No need to turn there. In fact, yeah, you don't even have to turn there. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was a, a full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You know, this passage um, it, it has given me so much encouragement, especially just lately with, you know, uh, coming together and writing our testimony and, and pouring our heart out throughout the week with this. But um, we begin to believe that God can make these bones live. You know, it, it, was, it was so encouraging knowing, you know, uh, seeing how far we've come together, uh, how, how, you know, far God has brought us together. Uh, the one quote that I constantly kept thinking about um, was from Coach John Wooden. And if you're a UCLA Bruin fan, this might encourage you, especially after last night. Um, <laughs> if, and, and listen to this, and I, and I mean it, if you're a Bruin fan, just listen to this. If we magnify our blessings as much as we magnify our disappointments, we'd be much happier. Yeah. Let me... Uh, repeat this one again in case you were kind of tuned out for a second, okay? If we magnify our blessings as much as we magnify our disappointments, we'd be much happier. Forgiveness is powerful. And I'm going to be honest real quick. That, um, you know, I was embarrassed taking Valerie back because in today's society that we live in, men aren't supposed to take their woman back after being cheated on. All my friends said, don't do it. But it takes courage to forgive and reconcile. I, I, can, I can forgive because God forgave me. I can love again because God loves me unconditionally. You know, we defy the odds. Do you love a comeback story? It's unfortunate the Bruins couldn't come back. But we were the underdogs. So as we take communion, let us remember that God is an expert in taking what is broken 
and turning it into something beautiful. God who time and time again takes what is dead, what is messed up, and what is hopeless and uses it for his glory. He will say, I have done beautiful things. What God is bringing you through at this very moment is going to be the testimony that will bring somebody else through. Now remember this, no mess, no message. This is our message from graves into gardens. God saved our marriage and has revived us. Today, we can say, both Valerie and I, that God has done a beautiful thing. This is our story, and we're sticking to it. talking about last night's game, man. Come on now. We talking about that UCLA game last night? I uh, love uh, Hector and Val so much. They actually, uh, God has used them now. They're, they, we're actually in their Bible club. They lead our family group now. And uh, their son, their 13-year-old, is part of our junior high ministry. So we asked them to start leading our junior high ministry. So they, they lead our junior high ministry as well. And uh, it's just incredible to see, again, brokenness uh, becoming beautiful, dry bones becoming alive again. We're going to take communion this time. Um, I want to read a verse uh, to get our minds focused on communion. And we're going to say, we're going to do something a little different with the communion. We're going to say a couple, we're going to do two prayers today. All right. Whoa. Going, going, going traditional here, a little old school. Um, at the end of that 2 Corinthians 5 verse, it says, uh, after, after the, impl- uh, he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. This is what we see here, that in him, Hector and Val have become the righteousness of God, right? That in him, Marina and I can become the righteousness of God. That in him, we, you, you and your spouse, we as a body of Christ can become the righteousness of God. And this is taking brokenness and making it beautiful. Taking the unrighteous, And making it righteous. This is the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to say, we're going to do this. Go ahead and take out your cups. Take out the bread. Let's take out the bread. And the bread uh, represents what? The body of Christ, right? And in the scriptures, when we, use, when we read the term the body of Christ, what is Paul referencing when he calls, talks about the body of Christ? The church, right? He talks about the, the, the body of Christ being the church. And so what I want you to do is I want you to just hold hands there with your spouse, and I want you to actually say a prayer uh, about the church, for the church. Be, reflect on the relationships that you have in the church. And you may feel like a really weird relationship right now with the church. I don't know where you're at with the church, but at the end of the day, the church is God's idea. Just like marriage. Marriage was God's idea. Uh, the church is God's idea to, to reconcile the world to himself. He, he's using the church to do that. And Hector and Val shared about different relationships that God used in their life. Uh, at the end of the day, we all are here because God used somebody in our life to introduce us to Jesus uh, God used somebody in our life to get us out of that rough chapter in our marriage uh, or through that chapter with our children. Whatever the case is, God uses people. And so I want to encourage us to take a couple, a couple moments here just to pray with your spouse 
in gratitude to God for the body of Christ, the relationships, the people that God's put in your life. We'll take a couple moments for that, and then we'll pray for the cup. Go for it. Okay, we're going to take the cup, the juice here at this time, and as we drink the juice, I'm going to say a prayer for the juice, and then um, we're going to have some instruments and music, so, so some time to, to reflect a little bit here and um, about the, um, you remember yesterday, the, the, what Jane Trace were talking about, the Japanese pottery and those cracks, and I want us to imagine, like think about the cracks that are in your life and how the blood of Jesus fills in those cracks. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, we, we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate the body of Christ and the people that God's put in our lives in different moments. But at this time, we celebrate also and we acknowledge, man, Jesus fills in the gaps. Jesus fills in the holes. He covers those cracks in our, in our own lives as individuals, but also in our marriages. And so I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then I want us to reflect on that a little bit as we have some music, and then uh, we will continue with our time. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, for this time. Thank you for Hector and Valerie having the courage to share their story. It takes a lot of courage to stand in front of strangers at times to be able to share your story. I just thank you so much uh, for their courage and thank you so much for their example of how you, through the blood of Christ, have filled in the gaps. You have covered the cracks in their relationship and, it ref and we remind ourselves of the different things, the different wounds that we have in our lives and how you fill in the gaps. You fill in those cracks. You, you make it beautiful, God. And you take our mess, you take our pain, you take our, uh, our losses and our challenges and our weaknesses. And, and we boast in weakness because in your grace, your grace is sufficient and, make, and you make us strong in that, God. We thank you. And so as we drink this juice that represents the, the blood of Christ, we want to thank you, Jesus, for sacrificing yourself, for bleeding for us, that your blood washes over, pours over, cleanses us, that you do not treat us as our sins deserve, that you are a forgiving God. We want to praise you and we want to thank you. And as we drink this, we acknowledge and we worship you. For your grace, your mercy, your unconditional love, your forgiveness, you are an awesome God. Thank you for taking what is broken and making it beautiful through the blood of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray and the church says, Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.